We all have questions. Questions about faith and relationships, beliefs and politics and social issues in our planet and God. Where do you go when you're done with cliches and starving for the conversation to ascend? What do you do when you're struggling to find connection within your community, within your church? So join us, Lauren, Danielle, and Jason, to connect, discuss relevant topics, and try to navigate living in the tension of everyday life as Jesus followers. We call this podcast, The Outsiders. I hate being a Chicago sports fan. As you may or may not know, I was born and raised in the city of Chicago, and I'm a lifelong Cubs, Bears, Bulls, and Blackhawks fan. Sorry, Danielle. Now that I have children, I've intentionally brainwashed them into being Chicago sports fans. I feel like that's just totally appropriate. Um, And they love and look forward to watching and attending games. Dude, all three of my kids have jerseys, they have apparel, they wear hats, they even know the players of our teams. But if you've ever been a citizen of Fansville, while you love it, it's inevitable, right? To simultaneously love and hate being a fan. Because it's inevitable that you hate disappointment. But worse than being disappointed as a fan is watching your kids be disappointed as fans. And so that's one of the reasons I hate sports, specifically when they hurt my kids. Now, all of you listening, these may seem like random thoughts at the beginning of this episode, and they may seem totally out of place, as today's episode concludes our four-part series on relationships, but there is a connection. Again, let me repeat, I hate sports when they hurt my kids. So, Malachi 2.16, from the scriptures in the First Testament, says this, God says, for I hate divorce says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Again, Malachi 2.16. Now, often we either consciously or subconsciously translate that verse to saying that God hates me or God hates people who divorce. But were you listening? That's not actually what it says. God doesn't hate people who get divorced. God hates the pain it brings. Notice the defense for the victim, right? Specifically, God says to overwhelm her with cruelty. The issue for God is when his people experience pain and brokenness, they don't feel whole or complete. In other words, God hates it when his people, his kids, aren't experiencing peace or shalom, as we've talked about in the past. Yet, let's be honest, divorce is real. It's powerful, and we live in its tension either directly or indirectly. And so like me, God hates it when his kids experience pain. So in today's episode, we're talking about divorce. So hey, everybody, and welcome again to the Outsiders Podcast. And as always, I'm in studio with my two Rockstar co-hosts, Danielle and Lauren. And guys, as we are going to begin this conversation talking about divorce, obviously it could be really, really tough and really painful. And throughout, right, everyone's a story and throughout the narrative of our lives, we all experience tough times and, and painful, painful times. Um, and so I'm just wondering, like for me, uh, one thing that helps me is music, right? We love music. I'm sure by the, the titles that you've noticed, by the titles of our episodes, you can tell that we love music. And so I'm just interested, like for you guys, has there been like a specific artist or, uh, you know, song that has helped you get through tough times? I don't know if I can 
pinpoint a specific song. I feel like I, in general, like to listen to music that has some kind of meaning or is at least uplifting and stuff. Like I don't typically, and I'm not trying to like sound like I'm on a high horse or better than people. Like I, I, I'm not trying to be sound judgmental at all, but I don't typically super enjoy just like top 40, whatever. Mm. I, I like to have stuff that makes me feel good or help mm. me process life just in general when I listen to music. Um, but I mean like, if I had to, if you had to ask me like, what are my top five artists right now? I think every single one of them would be artists who have helped me get through hard times because that's mm. just what I like to surround myself with. Like mm. in no particular order, um, Johnny Swim, John Mayer, mm. Need to Breathe, Alan Stone, Tori Kelly. I'd say maybe that's like my top five right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think all of them are artists that have gotten me through bad times and good times for that matter because sure. that's just I think that's the that's the role music plays through like for the me. emotion or by the or through the lyrics yeah all of the above all of it, yeah mm -hmm. for sure to answer this question <laughs> we'd have to dedicate an entire podcast episode <laughs> to all of the playlists that I have uh, created um, as a deep feeler and music. I always say music is one of my love languages. So um, even as a, you know, moody high schooler listening to some music that would like help me feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't think that I could actually name like one or even give like a top five. Yeah. It's like all of them. You said playlists. <laughs> a lot. Yes. Uh, that's so good. Um, yeah, I, I would say for, for me, um, and me being clearly older than, than you guys, um, but definitely during high school, like in the nineties specifically, um, I think Tupac was huge in, in helping me. Michael Jackson, I just love him and, and loved him. Uh, and then slightly different genre, uh, Metallica, <laughs> Guns N' Roses, U2. Man, they, they just write, again, kind of like the emotion of the, of the music, but then also coupled with the lyrics. Yeah, you're right. They totally help you feel what you're feeling and help you process. And then just because I'm a pastor, I feel like I should say something Christian. Um, <laughs> I would throw out there uh, DC Talk, um, Jesus Freak, was kind of probably the first song I realized, wow, Christian music can be good. Uh, so what a classic. I, <laughs> yes, I know it's an oldies, but dude, I, I actually remember, um, I had a, a tape if that's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, anyway, so yeah, but music can help us process, get through tough times. And so, which I think makes sense because as aforementioned, today we're talking about divorce, which we feel is a relationship stage that doesn't get much coverage in the Christian context. Generally, it's frowned upon. Okay, I think we could agree to that. But one of our goals with this series is to acknowledge you, the listeners, in whatever relationship stage you're in. And the reality is that for some of you, that may be divorce. And so we want to talk about it and unpack some of the conversations that typically surround divorce and how to live in the tension of divorce while following Jesus. So Danielle and Lauren, uh, share some thoughts and experiences around divorce. Like, why is it important for us to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, n none of us are divorced, so we can't really share mm -hmm. experiences from like a firsthand perspective. But right. I do personally know quite a few couples, um, some older and even a lot close to my age that mm -hmm. are divorced or have considered it or are considering it or have done separation at some point, gotten back together, you know, like 
there's just a lot of people out there who have experienced that. And I think that it's a misconception that divorce only happens later on in life after years and years of trying to make it work or just slowly growing apart or, you know, whatever. But the reality is that it can happen to anyone for a very wide variety of reasons. I was looking online, just trying to do a little bit of research, and I found some interesting statistics to consider. Um, and this was according to like the, the U.S. census, so I felt like it was fairly reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the divorce rate has actually hit a record low in 2019 with 7.9 new divorces for every 1,000 women over the age of 15. Um, however, while that sounds like you know divorces are weighed down, marriages have also decreased mm-hmm. um, and are at pretty much an all-time low as well. I can't remember since when, but it's been like decades and decades and mm-hmm. decades. Like it's never been this low. I think the stat, it was um, 16.3 new, new marriages for every 1,000 women over the age of 15. Another source, the Institute of Family Studies, reports 14.9 out of every 1,000 marriages end in divorce. And this is the lowest it's been since 1970 as well as an all-time low of 33 marriages for every 1,000 unmarried adults. So the stats are a little bit different, but, Mm -hmm. you know, showing that we're hitting lows in both categories, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, just as I talk to a lot of people and used to teach a lot of these things, um, I find it interesting is not just reasons why people get divorced, but also when in their marriage people tend to get divorced. And again, it it, it tends to fluctuate depending on the source, but roughly speaking through multiple different sources, um, approximately 20% of those who do get divorced, it happens within the first five years, um, which I find interesting. And then within the first 10 years, so you add like another five years after that, then approximately 32% um, of people get divorced. So and then it tends to go down, you know, a little bit after that. So it all, my, my point is roughly, you know, half to a little bit more than half of, of people who do end up getting divorced, it happens within the first 10 years, mm-hmm. which I find significant, right? Especially as we talk about stages and growth and authenticity and, and, and all of those things. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And as I was reading these statistics to me, like it was interesting because I know in like church settings and like sermon settings, I've heard people be like, oh, 50% of divorces end in marriage. And so I was kind of shocked by these statistics being so much lower than what I'd heard. But then as I kept reading, I also found um, a statistic that was saying that the marriage divide in America is getting wider and wider. And what this means is that the financially wealthy and college educated are more likely to get married and stay married while working class, poor Americans are seeing higher rates of single and much higher rates of cohabitation or even sharing children, but just not getting married. And so even though the numbers are saying divorce is down, this is also showing how the system is really working against a lot of people. Because those people are just getting married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And another study I read suggested that the recent decline in divorce may have a few causes, including the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, that maybe it's brought some people closer together. And also another study was saying that millennials actually have lower divorce rates than previous generations, perhaps due to um, waiting a little bit longer in life to get married. So I thought that those were all just some really interesting statistics and and facts regarding divorce in our current society Mm -hmm. and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Danielle, I have a number of friends who have gotten divorced or are separated, and I grew up with a number of friends whose parents um, were divorced. And it's really been an eye-opening experience as an adult watching what these friends have gone through. So 
in my opinion, I think it's important to not ignore this relationship stage, especially within Christianity. Um, I think like singleness, this relationship is talked about the least and the and the way the context that we um, we talk about it is more of that we just shouldn't do it, but rarely we talk about the reality of like the above mentioned statistics and that divorce happens even within Christian married couples. Um, but I think another thing to consider is what a person goes through mm-hmm. that's either considering separation or going through divorce currently or is divorced. There's so much that happens in this relationship stage. Um, depending on how the relationship ended, you're dealing with grief on another level. You're dealing with having to start over in a sense. You're dealing with finding your identity separate of what it was in a marriage. Um, you're dealing with loss. You're dealing with failure. And to me, it just seems like a lot. So my heart breaks for those that that go through this. I don't think that Many people think when they get married that their marriage is going to end. We're just not wired that way, especially in a Christian context. So for any of our listeners who are going through this or or have, like we see you and we hear you and we want to do better to show up for you and just make sure that your experience is heard. So as we have in um, the last previous three episodes, we want to talk about some of the lies or negative things that we've been told surrounding divorce. So for you guys, what are, what are some of those things that you've heard? Yeah, so for me, I think the first thing I've heard a lot is kind of what I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, and that is, well, God hates it, so we should never do it. Um, well, again, like context is everything. And so sure, as you just said, Lauren, like, no one ever goes into marriage thinking we're going to get divorced, um, right? That's not the plan. That's not the original goal. And that's, honestly, that's how it is for God. Like, it, it, it's not God's original plan for us to experience divorce. But there is a biblical principle that I really believe we need to understand. And it's not just, you know, with a certain situation or that situation. We've talked about it before in previous podcasts as far as like homosexuality or, you know, whatever. Um, But there's this biblical principle that God is flexible for his people. And I think this is super important. And, And someone right now is thinking, wait, 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 but I thought God never changes. Okay, that's true. Absolutely. God doesn't change, but he is flexible for his people. And someone's thinking, okay, well, how do you know that? We could, there are so many examples, but just some quick ones. For instance, God said, you should not have a king, right? He's talking to the people of Israel. And he's like, you should not have a king. I want to be your king. I want to have authority of your life. Make me king of your community, of your personal life. I want to be your king. The people said, no, we want a king because we want to be like everybody else. And everybody else has a king. So I want to, so we want a king. And God says, okay, you can have a king. And then he anoints them and and blesses through that. You know, another example, God said, do not have a temple. I want a tabernacle. There's a huge difference between a temple and a tabernacle. 
temples don't move. People have to go to God to experience him in a temple. Tabernacles are mobile. They go with the people. And God's plan, original plan and goal was, I want to be with you wherever you are. I want to chase after you. I want to be present with you where you are. And the people said, no, we want a temple because everyone else has a temple. We want to be like everybody else. And God said, okay. So again, I think there's this principle that you're right, God doesn't change. However, he is flexible for his kids, for his people. Um, and so I think that's one thing that we need to understand. I also think, as we were talking about some statistics, there was, uh, in, in, back in 2019, an, an insider data team partnered with the National Center for um, Biotechnology Information. And essentially it was, they want to know kind of the top 10 reasons in America why people get divorced. And again, these are specifically the people who are getting a divorce or were divorced. And it was kind of breaking down, well, why? What was some of the, the reasons why? Um, and I find it kind of interesting. Number 10, um, at 13%, uh, why people in America were... Uh, were experiencing divorce was because they admitted that they had little or no premarital education or they had some significant religious differences. And this kind of speaks, I mean, to me, it, it spoke directly with what I do a lot. And that is, I, I actually, and I've alluded to this in other podcasts, I love premarital counseling. I just think it's so fun. Um, I, I do a lot of that. I do a lot of dating counseling um, because oftentimes, like for me, I don't really have to say much. I just facilitate tough conversations. And sometimes it's easier to talk to someone through someone. Um, and anyway, so just the whole idea of premarital counseling, dating counseling, like kind of understanding what, you know, what's going to happen, having those tough conversations, but then also how does religion play a part of that? Um, so that was kind of the 10th reason. Uh, nine was a lack of support from the family. Like, I think that's huge. Like how our families actually do, um, you know, influence our, our marriages, either your family or your new in-laws. Uh, I mean, we could probably have a whole podcast on that. Uh, number eight, that was at 17%. At 18%, um, health problems, which I thought was interesting. Um, number seven, this totally breaks my heart, uh, was domestic violence, 23%. I mean, that's terrible. But 23% of people who were getting divorced said, well, a part of that was because of domestic violence that was happening. Six percent, or I'm sorry, number six at 43% was substance abuse. Yep. That definitely pain there. Uh, number five, financial problems. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually surprised it wasn't a little higher up. That's what I was just thinking. Um, I thought it would be more like two or one, but according to this study, it was at number five, uh, coming in at 36% of people that said that was why they were getting divorced. Um, I found this interesting. 45% said they just got married too young. They didn't know what they were doing. They were in love and blah, 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 blah. So I was like, okay, interesting. Again, maybe we should start having some of those tough conversations early. Um, at number three, at 57%, why people were getting divorced was they said too much conflict and arguing. Yeah, okay, I, I, I can see that. Number two, at 60%, uh, was infidelity. And number one, at 75%, uh, was lack of commitment. These statistics are very interesting to me. I know we didn't address this in our previous episode on marriage, and I kind of wish that we had like just touched on it a little bit, um, but we didn't talk about why people get married or the motivations for why a couple gets married. And I think some of those reasons can answer why people get divorced. Sure, their expectations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Based on, based on those statistics. Right. Um, 
So for me, I think it's important to acknowledge the lies and negative things surrounding divorce, but I think it's almost more important to address the topic of shame in this conversation, because I think many people in our Christian communities can feel deep and intense shame if their marriage doesn't work out or ends for any of the above mentioned reasons. And we as Christians, and this is me coming from a single person's perspective, um, I think we put such an emphasis on marriage and how great it is. But if we don't talk about the reality of marriage's ending, then we're not being realistic about about marriage, um, specifically about the statistics, Jason, that, that you just talked about. Um, divorce is such a an emotional topic because it's emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, we don't want this whole entire episode to be like really depressing about it, but I think it is important to acknowledge that. And the lies that we tend to perpetuate by not talking about divorce or by shaming people to stay in marriages that aren't healthy, I have to ask, like, are we really loving our neighbor? Are we really taking care of those in our community? And the minute that a friend or even yourself goes through a separation or divorce, it really changes everything and it makes it that much more real. Yeah, definitely. And I know, I think for me, you guys have have touched on a lot. Um, The only other thing, and I know we'll unpack this more when we talk about what the Bible has to say, but I think one of the harder things to navigate or swallow or, you know, just kind of understand when it comes to divorce within a Christian context is that you often hear people talking about when it's okay to get a divorce and that really the only acceptable reason within the church is adultery or Mm -hmm. sexual immorality and that otherwise— you're kind of just supposed to suffer and be miserable in your marriage and try to make it work. And I think that that is something that a lot of people who have maybe considered it or been through it have had to wrestle with and struggle with. And that has caused those feelings of, you know, shame and, and you know, whatever else that, that Lauren was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I guess that kind of segues us into really talking about what does the Bible have to say about divorce? You know, um, is there any insight? When is it actually okay to get divorced? Let's, let's dive in a bit. Yeah, so as always, I think it's interesting, what does the Bible actually say versus what do we think it says? And context is everything. So first off, I would say in ancient Hebrew society, divorce was particularly hard on the woman. It it, it just was. But even within the ancient Hebrew culture, which for us often sounds barbaric, um, but compared to the other neighboring cultures of the day, they were actually extremely progressive. Um, The Jewish law made provision for a man to divorce his wife, which now we should be clear. It was never the other way around. Um, The woman could not actually divorce the husband. It was always the husband who had had the the right or the ability to divorce his wife. Um, As long as the woman was given a certificate of divorce, which by the way, we should be clear what that means. All All he had to really say is, she is not my wife and I am not her husband. And it was that simple. Now, some rabbis argued that unfaithfulness on the part of the woman was the only basis for divorce, while others argued that a man could divorce his wife for almost any reason. So there'd be like some discrepancies, some differences. Um, But here's the thing. The poor person, the poor wife being divorced, she'd be left without any means of support, full of shame, tons of stigma, um, whether it was deserved or not, clearly oftentimes not, that she had been unfaithful to her husband. Well, there was no like court, right? There was no hearing. It was basically 
the man saying, making this statement, and it was done. Um, usually, and they, well, here's the other thing that's interesting. If they had kids, usually she would have to return to her family um, and leave her children. Like, she couldn't even have connection or contact with her kids. So, generally speaking, part of the, the language of the Bible and, and why it says what it says about divorce is because it would be so hard, and honestly, there'd be a sense of injustice on, you know, for the woman. Um, so, what are some actual, like, biblical reasons? Um, I would say, first and foremost, and, and this just, again, just breaks my heart from either personal experience or, or, or whatever people I know, and that is abuse. We have talked about it in other contexts and other podcasts, but God hates abuse because it hurts people. And so divorce is okay when there's physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. I think we should just say that out front. Like, this, is, this would be a good thing in a space, I mean, to get divorced, if there's a space of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. And this isn't just like Jason talking. Um, according to our scriptures, Moses actually says this in Exodus 21, um, Exodus 21, 10 and 11. Uh, Moses says, if a man who has married a slave wife takes another wife for himself, okay, there's already a lot <laughs> within that thought, he must not neglect the rights of the first wife to food, clothing, and sexual intimacy. If he fails in any of these three obligations, she may leave as a free woman without making any payments. Now, someone right now is thinking, wait, wait, what? The Bible's actually talking about having multiple spouses and slavery and blah, blah, blah. Now, again, we have to take it in its context. What did, what did it mean to them then? So what does it mean for us today? And simply physical and emotional health. Within a healthy marriage, physical and emotional health really needs to be experienced in order for people to have peace and shalom and completeness. And if that's not there because of abuse, yeah, then you need to be out of that situation. When, um, we were, um, when we were prepping for this episode, I was doing trying to do a lot of research to find more stuff because I had always been, you know, had the understanding or been taught that, that was, there was only the one reason you could get divorced, you know? Yeah. And when I, I also found a lot of references to that verse in Exodus 21, mm. and I saw a lot of people referring to it as just like, neglect in general, which yeah. I think abuse is a form of neglect because you, you know, it's, it's sure. a very specific form of neglect, but neglect can look like a lot of other things. Um, and I found quite a few different places where, you know, literature was saying that a lot of people do believe that neglect in general is, is a sure. very valid reason for divorce. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, yeah, your physical and emotional needs, they're, they're not being had, right? Or kept. And then, right, you're just, you're broken. Um, so, yeah, for sure. And then, of course, I think probably what most people would say, oh, well, adultery or sexual morality, as Danielle was saying. And again, right, as Jesus followers, I love what Jesus says. Jesus always defends the victim, always. And Jesus was defended uh, women and women's rights uh, in Matthew 5. Matthew writes this down from what Jesus was saying, and, he, and this is what it says. Jesus says, um, you have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce, which we already just talked about. It's really pretty simple. But I say, this is Jesus speaking, but I say a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. So again, he's really defending um, the, the woman here um, now, but it continues because the religious people always have to get involved and they always have to argue about everything. So then it continues and here come the religious people. Um, 
Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Again, at that time, in that culture, that was something that, that they dealt with. And then Jesus says, haven't you read the scriptures? They, recognize, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Again, the language, the concept is brokenness, right? God hates brokenness. He wants people to experience completeness and wholeness and shalom. That is the goal. Um, then, why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. So again, they're arguing this stuff with Jesus. Well, well, but why can we just, you know, why do some people say it's okay? And then Jesus responds, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended, which again speaks to God being flexible for his people. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, I find this is, this is just interesting. The disciples then say, well, if this is the case, it's better to not get married. <laughs> like, okay, I feel like you're missing the point. Um, but not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those who God helps Again, wholeness. He's defending people who are victims. Some are born as eunuchs. Okay, so he's, now, that, now he's really opening it up to include more people and their situations. Some have been made eunuchs by others. That sounds painful and most unfortunate. Um, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Again, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 19. So at the end of the day, for Jesus, the issue is when his people experience brokenness and pain, he wants them to, they, yeah, basically, he wants them to defend the victim in order for wholeness and shalom to be restored. Thank you for unpacking that, Jason. And of course, you know, as always, we always encourage everyone to do your own reading and understanding and diving in to figure out, you know, what this means for you. Mm. Um, but if you do find these points to be true and valid, for me, I almost feel like a sense of relief, not because I want everyone to just go out and get divorced because no, like it's suddenly know. okay, yeah. but because I think we've all seen countless people and relationships, um, you know, who stay together out of fear of shame and guilt from their communities or just, you know, internal shame and guilt from themselves because of what they've always been taught or believed despite being in neglectful or abusive or unhappy or loveless marriages. And so I think um, if we can come to this understanding, it's kind of like, okay, so maybe there is a way for people to find that wholeness again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we as Christ followers and just human beings in, in general <laughs> support and show up for those that are divorced or going through a divorce? I think that we just really need to be prepared and willing to have conversations about this, especially mm. with people who are navigating divorce or separation or considering those options. Um, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with it, if you have friends and family that are going through this, being there for them is one of the most important things we can do. You know, it's uncharted territory for many. Um, it's this idea of starting over and it's terrifying. Even if you're getting out of a bad situation or a relationship, the idea of having to start new can be really scary, even <sighs> if in the end it yeah. might be better. Yeah. So yeah, I think just um, trying to gain an understanding and learning how to be supportive 
And also, I think encouraging couples who are struggling to consult trained professionals. Um, I know that it can feel weird to talk to people about your relationship problems, especially when it's a stranger, especially in Christian circles. Um, I know that people may just turn to their pastor or their friends or, you know, people in their community. But a lot of the time, those people aren't professionals in this area. I mean, some pastors do have some training, but they it's its not their everyday mm-hmm. area of expertise, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and just like encouraging people to seek general therapy for, you know, their, their well-being and their mental health, I think that normalizing couples therapy can also be really helpful for people who are navigating this. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just add, honestly, that around here in our church and our community, like we say this a lot, but... I'm not ever really interested in going to church. I'm only interested in being church, um, interested in being community. And so what that kind of means, I think, in, in my opinion, as far as how do we help people, how do we help people experience shalom and peace as they experience and navigate all of this pain? Um, one thing I would say is just invite them to things, right? Invite them out. If you know someone who is in this stage or going through this pain, invite them to events, invite them to your house. I know it's COVID and that's, you know, like a a weird thing still, but I would still encourage you to invite them to activities uh, so they can experience life within social settings, um, a little little sense of normalcy so that they know that, no, they are loved. They are cared for. Um, Yes, their relationship in this one context might be broken, but they as a person is not broken and God loves them. And, um, um, yeah, and they have a, they can have a future to get through this. So I would just first I would say a way to be church and be community would be to just invite them to things. Second, kind of like what you're saying, um, Danielle, just listen. Now, don't be nosy, right? You don't need to know all the tea about why this was happening and for how long and with whom and blah blah blah. Like, no, no, no. Just listen. I think is so important. Um, a third thing I think we can do as community and, and as church would be to. Don't trash talk the ex-spouse. Maybe you want to, but that is not helpful. Um, Because in the end, while this whole context of the scripture is talking about divorce and why it's, it's a struggle, God doesn't hate them. He hates the brokenness. Well, by you just fueling and trash talking the other person, you're breaking that person or adding to their brokenness. Like that is not helpful um, or, or good or right. So yeah, like try to not trash talk the, the other person. Um, a fourth thing I would say would be to try and support and appropriately, okay, like don't be a creeper, like that's weird, um, but try to appropriately support in practical ways, like how the, the ex-spouse would have functioned. Uh, so let me give you a quick example. Um, back in California, um, I, I had a house that I rented to tenants and my first tenant was a recently divorced mom. And she had three daughters, and uh, I was like, oh, I got to, you know, I want to do right for her. She's going through this tough time. So we rented her our house, and and blah, 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 and everything was okay. Um, But like a couple weeks in, like she started calling all the time. She called one time because there were crickets in the garage, and she was complaining about that. Uh, She called another time complaining that the plumbing was all haywire. None of the plumbing was working, and this is a big catastrophe. I had to pay all this money to have a plumber come, blah, blah, blah. All I did was go to the house and... um, like, you know those snakes, like those disgusting plumbing things? Anyway, I just went to all of the bathtubs and used that snake thing to clean out all of the bathtubs. And if you have hair, unlike myself, you've experienced, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, if you do that, and if your bathtub or your shower is clogged, and you pull that out, it looks like, you know, a rat died in there. Uh, it's 
truly something that makes me want to throw up every time I see it. But I was at this house just cleaning out these tubs and it, it, like it, it wasn't this horrible catastrophe. She was just used to a husband doing that for her. And you know, there'd be, there'd be several times when she would call and ask because of this really big problem that was going on. But really, she was just used to having someone else take care of these things. And so I was, it just kind of made me think, well, people who are going through this, again, not in a creepy, like weird way, but how are ways that you can, you know, to a certain level appropriately, fill a role that that ex person used to fill, right? At a very practical level. And um, I think to build on that, help them learn how to do those things. Oh, yes. Like don't always do it for them, but yeah, help them figure out what their new life looks like because you can't snake their drains every week. No, and I, I refuse to. So I, I actually bought her one of those things. This is how you use it. Right. And um, it never happened again, which I was, I was thankful. Honestly, uh, the fifth thing I think I would, I would say is food. Food just seems to make everything better pretty sure, as you can tell by my physique. Uh, but yeah, like, provide for them food. Send them some food. Uh, food is just helpful. Um, and then I would also say support their dating timeline. Now, I just want to be clear. Support their dating timeline. Don't like push them into something um, or not, right? Let them feel comfortable with what, you know, with how they are dealing with and processing everything and, and their emotional state moving forward. But what, just support them. Uh, that's really my, my, my only thought with that. And then finally, I would just say, just stay connected. Um, not just at the beginning. I think a lot of people, as they're going through something tough, like people oftentimes, they, they're quick to respond, or I should say, they're quick to react to a certain situation, but it's actually better to intentionally respond. And I think have like a measured amount of, yes, you're there at the beginning, but also follow through with that as they, they go through this. And, and it, that could be years down the road, and that's okay, but stay connected to them. So as we've said, talk about divorce, it's painful. A couple quick quotes about divorce. Kate Hudson said, the process of discovering with somebody that you love that you don't work is so painful. Nora Ephron said, um, above all, be the heroine of your life, not the victim. Carol Burnett said, only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. And Michelle Obama said, don't be afraid. Be focused. Be determined. Be hopeful. Be empowered. So if you're a Christian, an actual Bible-believing Jesus follower, our mission is simple, but not easy. We love God, and we love God's children, and all God's children. Love is a choice, and so to do what's best for the one you love. And according to Jesus, we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, which ultimately means we have to love ourselves, which, translation, you need to do what's best for you. Love, either way, is a choice to support and move someone toward shalom, wholeness, completeness, and peace. And let's be honest, Forrest Gump lied. Life isn't like a box of chocolates. Not everything is sweet and enjoyable. Even if you happen to eat a chocolate you don't like, you're still eating chocolate. It's more like being a Chicago sports fan. Some teams, some years, games, athletes, you celebrate with utmost giddy glee like David Ross in the 2016 World Champion Cubs or Michael Jordan in the 90s Bulls. And by the way, if you haven't watched it, go watch The Last Dance. It will change your life. Other times, you just sit in disappointment. Things didn't happen the way you hoped. But through it all, we have a God who passionately pursues us, loves us, and is with us. And He wants us to be all about love and withness. 
Special thanks to our audio engineer, Alan Clark. He is the man! Music throughout this episode is by Common Man Music. Special thank you to Joy Williams. If you like what you've been hearing, tell your friends. And if you'd like to connect with any of us, follow us on Instagram at We're the Outsiders Podcast. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.